0: We're the Forgotten Generation, a misplaced slice of the 20th century, when birth rates were as low as expectations for the future. We lived under the threat of constant nuclear annihilation, playing outside, but always inherently knowing the future was indoors. We are the second half of Generation X. We were some of the first to play video games, program home computers, and record CDs to cassette mixtapes. Our generation was nourished by New Wave, Imperfect Punk Rock, and John Hughes movies. We built Web 1.0 from the ground up using our childhood 8-bit and 16-bit programming skills. They call us Gen X. We prefer the vertical blank generation where magic happens between the lines because that's where we live, love, and thrive. We are Generation Atari. Last weekend, one of my kids asked my wife to drive by their grandparents' house, which is my old house and Jeff's old house, uh, where all the most, all of the into the vertical blank stories take place that we had to sell in early 2018. You know, my mom, our mom passed away. So my wife drove by and she said that. They were both really excited to see a couple of little boys playing in the yard. Um, It's not really a yard. It's like a front area, because what they've done is they've constructed a giant mega mansion on what was a single family house space from the 50s. But there were still two little boys there. And my wife came home and she waited a couple days. And then she said, Steve, I wanted to tell you that we drove by. And I thought you might like to know that on the same spot where your house was, there were two little boys playing and my wife was right. I was very happy to hear that there were two kids playing in that same space where Jeff and I played so many years and had all the adventures that lead into the vertical blank. So because of that, and I know these kids will never hear this, And I'm not going to send it to them or anything because I think that's kind of weird. But I decided to write them a letter uh, that they'll never get. Um, But let's just pretend that they would. And this is what it says. Hey, new guys. I sincerely hope you kids have the best life there. It's a perfect spot to grow up. It's shady in the afternoons and there's a cool breeze in the summer. The street is never too busy, but don't let that fool you. No matter what, always look both ways before you cross the street. Your new house is located in a perfect spot on a hill where you can safely turn into the driveway on your bike and not be going too fast to stop. Skateboards are tougher though. Be careful or you will get speed wobbles and have to bail early. When it rains hard, make sure to look out the window and watch the street. Sometimes there is so much water flowing down the hill, it looks like you live on a riverbank. On Friday nights, you can hear the crowds cheer at Maricosta High School football stadium. If the wind is blowing just right, you can open a window and imagine you are playing on that field and the people are cheering just for you. Your new house is located a half a block from an elementary schoolyard. I hope they don't lock it down for you kids, because that is an amazing place to play on the field, hide in the hallways, or just lay on the grass, imagining what your lives will be like when you grow up. When we lived there, the house was not too much to look at, but the experience was amazing, and I'd trade it for nothing. Try not to look at your screens too much. Go outside and enjoy it. You live in one of the best places in the world. I hope you have the best lives. Good luck to you. Now, to commemorate the fact that someone has moved into the new house on the same spot, we're going to rerun a story from last year about all the stuff Jeff and I used to play on that very same lot with that house. It's called Little Mouse
1: and Big Mouse. I hope you enjoy it.
0: This is a story that I wrote about some of my very first memories of being a kid, an analog kid. This is called Big Mouse and Little Mouse 1.0. It was a summer afternoon in the mid-1970s. TV programming had morphed from morning game shows into midday soap operas, which meant the time it arrived to find something else to do. Midday TV was a barren landscape for several hours until Looney Tunes fired up again at about 3.30. Until then, it was time to play outside. I ran out of the house with my brother close behind me. The screen door slammed against the side of our Southern California bungalow. We never used the front door. The doorknob was broken and only the deadbolt worked. The only people that ever came to the front door were salespeople, complaining neighbors, or the police to follow up on a noise complaint so we knew to be cautious when answering if anyone knocked. Right outside the side door was our driveway. It extended a hundred feet, crawling up a modest hill just off the street, then jetting back past the house, past our backyard, and straight to the detached garage. My brother chased me out the door with his disc shooter, a plastic gun bought a few days earlier from the lucky supermarket toy aisle. It shot little round spinning discs of various colors at middling speed, small enough to hit you in the eye or get lodged in your throat, but not fast enough to do any real lasting damage. Two eleven in progress, Adam-12, my brother called out as he continued his pursuit of the perp me. I was armed with my pellet gun, also from the grocery store. Instead of discs, it shot yellow BB-sized rubber balls. They were not as reliable as the discs, but the ammo was cheaper and the fire rate was a lot higher. My brother shot two discs my way, one missed completely, passing by me into the enormous wave of ivy that separated our house from Mr. Poe's house, lost forever. The second one was a direct hit, bouncing harmlessly off my t shirt, hitting the faded silk screen motorcycle just under the words, Do It in the Dirt. Appropriate for a six year old. I did not fire back. Instead, I ran to the front yard and tucked myself behind the ivy-covered front lamppost. As my brother ran past, I took a couple shots. One whizzed by his head and the other dribbled out of the front of my gun, harmlessly dropping to my feet below. My brother dove into a dirt patch in the front yard, rolled over, and pulled the trigger of his disc gun. What should have been a decisive blow misfired, the disc getting caught in the plastic mechanism. Wait, 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 unfair, he said as he tried to unjam his gun. I aimed at him and shot three more plastic pellets. One bounced off his head, the others missed, hitting the dirt in the front yard. As he frantically tried to get his weapon back in working order, I took one more shot, but nothing came out. My gun jammed too. Let's play emergency, I suggested. Yeah! We put our guns on the front porch and made our way to the garage at the end of the driveway. The garage was open, as always. I pulled my Radio Flyer Mini Red Wagon out of the storage space next to my older sister's green Schwinn with banana seat and yanked the handle until it turned around and came out of the garage. I checked the supplies in the wagon. A piece of garden hose, metal fishing tackle box, walkie-talkie with no batteries, hammer, saw an army helmet liner, and a plastic machine gun. All the things a good paramedic might need. I'll crash the motorcycle, my brother said, as he got onto his orange Sears catalog bike. He pedaled it back down the driveway and took a right turn when he reached the front yard, disappearing into the front of the house. Within a few seconds, I heard the cry, Motorcycle crash! I jumped into my wagon, grabbing the handle and pulling it back so I could steer. With one leg curled up on the wagon and the other outside, pushing against the driveway, Squad 51 raced to the scene of the accident. Woo! I drove swiftly down the driveway with my siren blaring until I reached the front yard. I turned onto the dirt patch in front of the lamppost. At that point, I needed to switch to four-wheel drive, so I jumped out of the wagon and pulled across the lawn to the scene of the accident. When I arrived, I assessed the damage. The orange bike was on top of my brother, and he moaned for help. The motorcycle is on fire, I yelled as I took the hose from my fire engine and turned it on full blast. Shh. I made a spraying sound with my mouth as water doused the motorcycle blaze. When the fire was out, I took a look at the casualties. I pulled the bike off my brother and sat down next to him with the tackle box in hand. I have the first aid kit, I said as I moved toward the victim. What hurts? My leg, my brother whispered to me as he started to move it around. I pulled the walkie-talkie out of the squad. Rampart, this is Squad 51, I said into it. This is Rampart. My brother responded in a deep voice as he still laid in the ground. Go ahead, 51. Rampart, we have a male victim here, age six. His name is Big Mouse. His vital signs look okay, but his leg is a real mess. Copy that, squad, 51. Stabilize the leg. Administer an IV with D5W and transport as soon as possible. I put the walkie-talkie down. My brother sat up. Okay, my turn to be squad, 51. Let's play motocross instead, I replied. I ran back to the garage to get my bike, nearly identical to my brother's. I jumped on and started riding down the driveway, into the street, and then up to about even with Mr. Poe's driveway next door. Jeff followed me. And we locked our wheels into position in the middle of the street, about 100 feet from our own driveway. The gate falls, my brother yelled, and we both started pedaling furiously, picking up speed with every turn of the little gears. I edged him for the lead. I turned into the driveway first, but instead of riding straight, I hit it at an angle and went straight for the half-buried tree root next to the top corner of the driveway. I pulled back the handlebars as my bike hit the root, and my bike flew a foot or so in the air. I'm Evil Knievel! I landed on both wheels with my brother just behind me. I turned sharply in the front yard. Dirt spit all over the porch as my wheels dug into the ground below. My turn was too sharp. Instead of making the quick loop back towards the driveway, I got stuck, jackknifed near the little retaining wall that separated our yard from our neighbor's driveway. My brother, who had made a much less ambitious jump, pedaled right past me turned onto the driveway and rode back towards the garage, crossing the earthquake crack driveway finish line before I could untangle my bike and get out of the front yard. We parked our bikes in the garage, and then I went and pulled Squad 51 back into the garage as well. Jeff pulled down the garage door. The rusted springs holding the solid wood portal creaked as they slowly lowered down. As the door closed in place with a loud, echoing thud, he called out the next game. Tennis racket baseball! I ran into the house and found my mom's old tennis racket stored in her closet. We'd never seen her use it for actual tennis, so one day we asked her to use it and never gave it back. My mom didn't seem to mind at all. I also retrieved our small orange Nerf ball that came from the over the door Nerf basketball hoop we got for our birthday. The ball was now covered in dirty masking tape, which made it much easier to hit while still remaining soft on the inside. I took all the equipment back outside, threw my brother the ball. Ball and then stood on the long driveway crack that stretched from the ivy to the back corner of our house. Dusty Baker up to bat, I said. I instinctively knew the names of each Dodger player and their relative position in the lineup. It was like second nature. Jeff tossed the Nerf ball at me and I swung the tennis racket as hard as possible. I twisted it, just at the wrong time, slicing the ball with the side, grazing the masking tape. The ball popped up where my brother caught it easily. One out. He won't beat Ron so easily, I told him, as I got back into the earthquake crack batter's box. I was right. Ron struck the ball solidly that time. It flew over my brother's head and hit the top of the garage on a fly ball. A triple for Ron I cried. Next up, Steve Garvey hit a liner right to my brother. He flinched, but he also knew that the masking tape that allowed us to hit the ball so hard had a soft underbelly of Nerf material. He recovered in time to catch the ball. Two outs! Dave Lopes at bat, I said, with Rick Monday on deck. It was up to Dave Lopes, the Dodgers' cleanup hitter. Jeff tossed the ball again. He knew not to throw too hard, because that only meant I could hit it back even harder. A soft, slow pitch meant he would have to swing really hard to get any kind of base hit. I swung and hit the ball square in the center of the racket. It flew right past Jeff, hitting the garage door. Davey Lopes hits a double, I yelled, and Ron Say runs in from third base. The Dodgers are up 1-0. Bill Russell's grounder was easily scooped up by Jeff, ending the Dodgers inning, and the Angels came up to bat. I stood back about eight feet as Jeff took a few practice swings with his tennis racket. The Dodgers were up one to zero, and I need to get out of this inning unscathed. First up, Don Baylor with Bobby Bonds on deck, Jeff said. We both knew the Angels just as well as the Dodgers. I pitched a slow, underhanded blooper to Don Baylor. My brother used his patented upswing and hit the ball right past me. It touched the ground before it hit the garage for a single. As I fetched the ball and returned to the oil spot, pitcher's mound, I threw Bobby Bonds a pitch with a little twist, making it not so easy to hit. Jeff swung at it and grazed the side. The tape-covered nerf ball rolled right at me. Out number one, I said, secretly proud of the stuff I put on the ball so Jeff couldn't hit it. Dan Briggs hit a high flyer that I caught, right next to the grass, which meant the next batter would probably decide the inning. Dave Chalk enters the batter's box. Hey batter batter, hey batter batter, I said, mimicking the taunts I heard watching the Maricosta High School baseball team practice on the field a few blocks from our house. Jeff took more practice swings, then got into batter stance, just like my dad had taught us up at the elementary school. Knees bent, tennis racket held at an angle behind his head, bouncing a bit on his knees, anticipating the pitch. I thought about pitching him another twist ball, but I wanted to surprise him first. I figured if I threw him something fast, he'd miss it. Then maybe on the next pitch, he'd swing too early, anticipating a fast pitch and hit a grounder. Pitching in baseball felt a bit like the chess games my dad played with me. He taught me to always think about the next move, as well as the one you were making on that turn. I threw an underhanded fastball, and I saw Dave Chalk swing just as the ball neared him. I was sure he would miss, but I was wrong. Jeff hit the tape so hard, a piece flew off the nerf ball as it sailed above me, far above the garage and into the back backyard. Dave, chalk, homers! Jeff yelled, dancing in place a bit. Don Baylor is an RBI and the Angels are up 2-1. to one. For me, the game fell over. I thought about what to do next. Into the spaceship, I yelled. My brother dropped my mom's tennis racket and ran over towards the backyard. into the spaceship my brother yelled we both jumped into the front of the white milk delivery truck parked in our backyard parked is a kind word for how it sat it had been there for years and never moved because of rotted holes in the roof and its position sitting under the canopy of our chinese elm tree it was covered and filled with sticks and leaves one back tire was missing the others had long since deflated and began to give themselves back to the earth we both got into the cab brushing aside clumps of leaves quickly enough to both clear the seats and not see what creatures might be hiding in them. I grabbed the steering wheel by its rotting hand grips. Rocket launch to space, my brother called from the co-pilot seat. 10, 9, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, 2, 1. We have ignition. In unison, we both shot backwards in our seats. I twisted the steering wheel side to side in an attempt to steady our ship during flight. The engines roared. "'Have we left the atmosphere?' I asked my navigator. "'Close. Oh no, we're breaking up! Crash landing! Crash landing! Crash landing!' "'It's time to jump,' I instructed. We both motioned to put on our parachutes. Then we got into position, holding onto the frame of the missing doors on each side of our ship. "'Ready, set, go!' The free fall only lasted a fraction of a second. When I hit the ground, I rolled into a pile of leaves, just missing a bundle of branches left from the tree trimming a few days prior time to make an assault on the planet, I yelled. We grabbed our identical red flashlight laser guns and crept into the jungle planet behind our garage. This was an area our family had dubbed the Back Back as it was the second backyard on our property. Situated behind the garage and attached to a mother-in-law unit, it was a 20 by 50 wild area filled with giant stalks of bamboo, with leaves that tasted like licorice, wild reams of jungle grass, grown-over attempts at gardening, plus old toys, logs, and rusted tools, long lost to the uncontrollable nature. My dad made a valiant attempt to tame it every summer, but the area always fought back with an untamable, ferocious vigor. In the desert climate of the South Bay beach town in which we resided, it looked and felt like another world. I put my hand in my mouth and talked to my radio. (laughs) I made the sound of radio being turned on with my mouth. Okay, Big Mouse, let's explore this place. My brother responded, his hand up to his mouth, talking through his fingers. Little Mouse, I don't see anything yet. At some point early in our lives, my brother and I began calling each other Big Mouse and Little Mouse. The names did not connote to anything in the real world, not to our relative size, nor even especially to animals we liked. They were of unexplainable origins, and we used them while imagining games and new worlds together. For all I know, the nicknames went all the way back to when we were twins in the womb. We crept through the stalks of bamboo, holding our guns out in front of us, at the ready to fight any space monsters we might find. This could be the planet of the apes, I whispered. I don't know, Big Mouse whispered back. That doesn't look like an ape to me. He pointed towards a set of green eyes sitting in a round clump of wild grass. An alien monster. White Paw, one of our two cats, blinked her eyes back at us. We flashed our lasers at the beast. Keep firing, Little Mouse called out. We switched our flashlights on and off at White Paw until she had enough. She got up, stretched, and scampered further back into the wild brush. Alien threat destroyed, Big Mouse said. Return to the ship, Little Mouse replied. We bolted up and carefully pushed our way back through the bamboo stalks to the stairs that led back down, out of the backpack. We passed our spaceship, but didn't climb back inside. Let's play Green Berets, I called out. We dropped our laser weapons in the red wagon and pulled back to the garage staging area to get ready for battle. I took my machine gun out. Green plastic with a motor inside that made a rattling noise when I pulled the trigger. My brother got his for the front of the garage. The soldiers were ready for battle. We skulked our way down the driveway to the battle lines in the front yard. I blazed the trail first, hiding behind the lamppost near the front of the house. My squad mate held his position behind the broken down red rambler in the driveway, waiting for my hand signal to show that the coast was clear. I peered out from behind the lamp to the enemy outpost across the street. Nothing. I motioned for my brother to come forward as I shifted my position to just behind the rightmost tree of the front yard. For safety, I pointed the barrel of my gun out first, my eyes not far behind. Across the asphalt river, I saw what I was looking for the enemy. My brother joined me behind the tree. Enemy spotted, I whispered to him. We both looked around the tree at the same time so I could point out the targets in the distance. There, I said as I pointed them out, across the street, a fifth-grade girl and her friend were sunning themselves on lawn chairs, wearing sunglasses and red lipstick, reading magazines and sipping beverages from clear plastic cups. I quietly nodded to my brother. Engage, I whispered. Roger, Little Mouse, came the reply. At once, my brother and I peppered the enemy with bullets. Illuminating tracers were followed by piercing machine gun rounds. The assault was ineffective. The rattling, firing noise of the guns only alerted the enemy to our presence. They both looked up from their magazines, stunned by the sudden sound of an ambush, but not able to pinpoint the source of the attack. It took a couple minutes for them to notice the little boys firing toy guns at them from across the street, ruining their day in the sun. Oh, gross, one said, lobbing a verbal grenade in our direction. What little nerds, the other replied, dodging our barrage. Then in unison, they both went back to the magazines and did not look up again. We continued to fire, but our rounds could not penetrate their armor. Full retreat. The afternoon had arrived in earnest. Time for cartoons.
1: This is Jeff here. Now that we've heard the new version of Steve's story, and it is new, there was at least four minutes added to the originally released version. I have a few things to say. First, this is a completely true story. It was a different time though, when we were not afraid to play outside all day long with little supervision, but with a whole lot of fake ordnance in the form of toy guns, weapons, and gear in all shapes and sizes. Second, we soon realized it would take much more effort to make inroads with the neighborhood girls and shooting them with fake guns didn't seem to be the answer. Lastly, as Steve said before, we welcome these new kids to the place where our old house used to be. We hope they enjoy it as much as we did.
0: Prepare to write new data, V
1: blank ending. An 8 bit Rocket Studios production.